welcome to The Green Initiative, a podcast where we discuss, educate and challenge our listeners on how to implement green energy and discuss efficient ways to build back better. My name is Daniela Jervis and I'll be your host for the series. To give you a bit of background, I'm from National Housing Group. NHG acquires and develops sustainable property in order to provide permanent housing solutions to help tackle the homelessness crisis within the UK. Welcome back to the Green Initiative podcast. My name is Daniela Jervis. I'm your host. Today we are going to be looking at kinetic energy and we are very excited to welcome founder and CEO of PaveGen, uh, Lawrence Campbell-Cook. Hi Lawrence, how are you? Hi, good thanks. Really excited to be here today. Great. I wondered if you can give us some introduction and your background to PaveGen. Sure, yeah. So PaveGen is a, a floor so when you, when you walk on the floor, it generates energy and also data from your footsteps. So every step you make will generate power. The heavier you are, the more energy can be produced. And the faster you run on it, the more power can be created. So it's a way that we can make cities greener. We can allow people to take part in sustainability. Um, and we even do things like um, increase the amount of time people spend in retail environments through using our technology. So the background for the system is I was actually a intern at one of um, the Europe's biggest energy companies. And they said to me, Lawrence, we'd like you to look at building street lighting with solar panels on the roof. And so off I went and tried to build the solar powered street light and I failed. And now the reason I failed is because actually using solar in cities is incredibly challenging and um, there's lots of shading so you don't get sunlight all, all day you really need a south-facing field for it to work well where you get guaranteed sunlight so i failed and hanging my head in shame i left eon i was fired for my first ever <laughs> job and um you know i kept thinking about this issue around sustainability in urban areas and i thought well what if i could make this, this floor that would generate power from people's steps and think how many millions of steps there are in every city in the world um, and why not harness some of that energy so I built my first prototype um, I went to the workshop built it in 14 hours um, I'm an industrial design engineer so I, I kind of technology is kind of what I do and I built the prototype and suddenly when you walked in this lump of wood it was very basic bits of wood blue tack duct tape holding it together and when you walked on it it would power a small light. And so I spent four years trying to build this prototype and make it better. Um, everyone else at university was getting jobs. I left and was kind of trying to win some prize money from awards to live off, doing some freelance. And then this was my side project. And then um, after four years, I was really fed up. Um, all the VCs said, no, forget it. It will never work. All the housing groups said, no, we won't buy it. It's too expensive. My university said, we want the whole company. If you make it successful, we want everything. And the government had a high technology support service. And they looked at it and phoned me back and said, Lawrence, it will never work. All our engineers have looked at it. There's no way this technology will work. So I went away, really frustrated. Everything was against me. And I thought, okay, I've got to make this happen. So uh, as an entrepreneur, I believe that, you know, we should make our own luck. Luck won't find you. So I went to a building site in South London at South Bank. Uh, and I installed it in the ground. So I was there at two in the morning. I had a pickaxe, a shovel, some cement, and a bucket, and some water. And we dug this hole, put the product in the ground. Um, we're there mixing cement at three in the morning, looking around, making sure there's no security. <laughs> Cemented it in place. 
and we connected it to some lights. The idea was when you walk on it, all the lights would come on around the wall and, and look really cool. So we we, uh, we ran away at 6am, feeling very happy with ourselves, just as the sun had risen. And then we put the pictures online. And that afternoon, I got a call from Westfield. And Westfield said, Lawrence, did you do an installation last night? I said, yes, I did. They said, did it work? I said, yes, it did. They didn't say, was it illegal? So I didn't lie. And they said, can we buy one? And I said, yes, you can. And I'm sitting there like, oh, my God, what do I do? What do I do? Oh, my God. <laughs> And um, yeah, I was like, that'll be £200,000, please. Um, I made the number up. I didn't know how much it really <laughs> should be. And um, they paid me that day. So suddenly um, it went from a crazy idea through to like a funded business. So we recruited like six engineers and we started building the product and iterating it. And I guess that's where my journey started. Um, and then there's a you know, hell of a lot in the middle. But I guess, look, here we are today with um, trading 36 different markets. Uh, we're a team of 40 across uh, about six offices internationally. Um, and, you know, we, we'll work with some of the largest developers in the world. We'll, we'll put it outside the White House um, and underground stations and airports. And really, you know, over a billion footsteps have now been experienced on our product. So it's been a, a really interesting um, scale-up journey since that first break-in at their first building site um, on day one. Yeah, I bet. So for all our listeners, why don't you start from the beginning in terms of what is kinetic energy? Yeah, so kinetic energy is the generating generation of energy from movement. So what we're doing is we're using the uh, small depression of around five, five to ten millimetres. When you walk on the floor, um, that moves, and we use that energy to generate power. Now, how do we do that? What we do is we have a flywheel. So think of it like a spinning top. You push the spinning top, and it will kind of spin around. This is when you push it, it spins a turbine, and that turbine will go round and round and round. So when one person walks, it spins for maybe 20 seconds. But when people continuously walk on a product, like they've just got out of a train or of a bus or they're walking through an airport, this generator is continuously spinning, generating power. And it, it generates between two and four watts per footstep. Um, so it's a small amount of energy. We're not, we're not trying to power, power the world forever using kinetic energy because when there's no people, there's no power. Yeah. But we believe that we will be a, play like a key part in the role to moving to sustainable energy and helping people to engage and be educated around sustainability through the power of footstep and actually seeing what their energy can do and what it can create from just a simple step. So is it made from recycled or sustainable materials? Yeah, so we're developing versions at the moment that are getting made from recycled sea plastics. But typically we find that a lot of the raw materials that we need to use the engineering side of the um, recycled ones don't stand up to what we need because you know, we're really putting this into um, some of the harshest environments known to man. So it's going into the desert, um, it's going into um, Siberian winters. Um, we're seeing uh, it needs to have a lifespan of 20 years. So it's a really challenging engineering environment. So we are working on putting more recycled materials within it. But at the moment, it's something where we have to use um, really robust engineering materials to make it perform the way it does. Mm -hmm. um, so what can they power? Yeah, so one step will power like a phone as you walk. Um, so as you continuously walk, your energy will be will power a phone. You can power lights. So one step will power a small light bulb for around 30 seconds. And you can scale it up. And we, we do a thing called passive and active installation. So what that means is you can do an active installation where um, it will 
immediately power light. So you're walking down the street, lights come on. And then the passive installation uh, will store the energy, accumulate it in batteries over the course of a day. And then when it's built up to a sufficient level and it's it's nighttime, that light will then be used and the battery will then uh, deplete over time. So we've got kind of two systems we, we offer people. And what kind of data do you collect in order to determine what kind of products you do? One of the things we, we did is when I first set off, I was trying to purely build an energy product. So my aim was build an energy product. That's all we're going to do. And I realized that people love walking on PaveGen. Um, we put it in schools. Kids would run nonstop up and down on the product. They loved it. It was like addictive. And there was a headline saying that, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like the, 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 the age old uh saying by a teacher is stop running in the corridor well they were actually saying well keep running because you can generate power so it was like run don't walk um so we saw how like it was really magnetic to um children in schools and then we put it into heathrow airport and young people old people were just jumping on it they didn't even know what it was initially and they could see their steps produce light and so we realized that we created this the notion of the the gamification of energy. Um, and so, you know, was even that a good idea? We didn't even know, but we made energy fun. And so I realized that actually the value for us is in deeply engaging people within the urban environment, because you're always going to be able to generate more power in the Sahara desert from a solar panel. It will always be better. There's nothing you can do better than that um, in terms of renewables today. Um, so now what we do is we built on top a way to reward people for their footsteps. So you can create a digital currency, and every step when you walk, you'll be rewarded on your mobile phone, the tiles talk to your phone, and you can do things like spend your um, steps in terms of charity donations. Um, we donated to a homeless charity in a, a project we did with the um, in Broadgate Arena in central London, and every step people made, we donated money to a, a homeless charity. Um, so it's got a powerful donation mechanic, and the way we're looking at it is I don't believe that you know, the way brands are communicating, by putting their, their logo on a billboard, it doesn't mean anything. It, it, anyone could put their, their logo on a billboard. But what we do is we say, well, don't put your logo on a billboard. Put it on the floor, and every step people make, you, the brand, will make a donation on behalf of that person. And you've got like a really lovely way of brands engaging with people. It's authentic. I jump all day long on, on a logo of a brand I don't necessarily like because I'm doing good and they're helping me do good. And so I think there's some really powerful um, narratives that come out of that. And then obviously we can monitor the footfall and understand about how people are moving as well and make cities and smart cities better places to live through that. Um, so ultimately, you know, our, our, our mission is how to make people happier in cities. Um, it's been proven that people living in cities are, are richer but unhappier than anyone else in the country, you, you, you know, New York especially. So we really think that we can make cities better places for people to live. Great. Um, what would you say that your favourite project has been so far? I think for us, the most exciting project that I've worked on and, and one I'm most passionate around is a, a favela in Rio de Janeiro, where we went to this favela and we, we dug up the pitch and we put paved gen in it. And so what happened was when we installed it in the, the soccer field, the, the energy of people playing sport would be going to a battery. There was a small solar panel there as well. And the energy accumulated during uh, the day when people were playing. So the, the energy builds up. And then at nighttime, all the floodlights came on powered by PaveJet um, and a small solar array. And what was really interesting is 
it was a cool energy solution, but it inspired all the children to think differently around energy. Um, usually the children in the favela environment don't have many hopes of, of big careers and they all wanted to be like a, a soccer star, which is obviously very unlikely. Um, and so they all thought, well, they thought it could be achieved through a power of footstep. And they all were inspired to be scientists and engineers and go on to study it. So we ended up launching it with Pele, the worldwide soccer star. Um, Shell were a partner and funded it. And then we took the project around the world after then and, and did it across Africa and other places. So I think that was one where we created the most amount of impact with our, our technology on a community. Um, a really you know, powerful one for us to get involved in. Yeah, it sounds really passionate about it. So now I guess it would be a good time to talk about the benefits of Paveton. So how are the government, the, what are the benefits of having the tiles? Are the government funding? Do you have grant schemes? We don't really do government funding. I find it's really laborious and it, they, the chance of getting it is so slim. So we don't do it. We, we do more, uh, I guess we're backed by four, four and a half thousand investors. Uh, we did a, a mini IPO type thing and we've now got some of the leaders, say from JLL, the largest real estate advisory firm in the world, um, have invested, um, as long as, uh, also the two richest men in the UK, uh, the Hidunja brothers have invested. who run the Hidunja group in India. Um, as well as a number of private equity individuals. So we've gone down like a private route um, for our capital raising. We raised around 10 million in capital. Um, so that's been like really key to, to driving our, our growth um, up to today. And I guess like, why do people buy the product? I think we made energy fun. So it, it, it depends on what market. If you're in retail, we increase dwell time. People come back more often. Um, we make a fun experience that's engaging for people to choose their mall rather than another mall. Um, and people can take part in the energy generation process. So people do want to do their bit, but so often in the world we live in today, it's so difficult for people to actually actively do something. You know, at home, you can turn your lights off and you can recycle. But actually, when you're out in a city, there's not much you can really do. And we offer people a way to engage. And we will engage customers, but also all stakeholders. So typically, if you've got a a large developer that's put a million pounds of solar on the roof, the most important thing to get value from that is to allow everyone to understand what's going on. Yeah. And typically they'll, they'll put like a small plaque and no one will read it. But then suddenly when you have some solar and have some paved gen and it combines together, then people really understand what's going on with sustainability and they're part of that journey with you. And so it's engaging their customers as well. So I guess that's a kind of a summary, but there's every, every different market has a different uh, narrative um, for doing it. You know, we, we cover marathons as well uh, and make it fun for events too. So there's lots of different ways you can, you can use our, our product. So on average, how much does it cost? So it's on a project basis. So it really depends on, on where the project is. Um, you know, we manufacture it by hand in London. Um, we wanted to make our supply chain as sustainable as possible. So it's not a really cheap Chinese product. It's a, a really precision engineered product created in London. And I guess the price tag does reflect that. And it's, it's not um, it's not something that can be bought for a uh, hundred pounds. It's it's a it's a it's a serious investment for any of our clients to make. So would you say that um, the average homeowner could install it in their home? Well, I'd say even if you had 30 children, I don't know, like a big number of children, it's still not that many people because if you look at the environments that we like, we, we really like like a train station that's busy for 18 hours a day and it's high footfall. If you look at 
uh, residential environment outside of like lockdown. I guess a lot of people would have been jumping around in lockdown, but you know, as the world goes back to normal, people are maybe walking between eight and nine a.m. out all day, and then maybe walking around six till ten at night. So there really isn't much power at home. So we we maybe would say, look, if there's a block of fifty flats, we'd say put it in the entrance, and you're going to get constant footfall coming in and out. Those, those pinch points in the entrances um, where the elevators are or, or whatever the access is, that's where it makes sense um, as opposed to you know, even looking at schools. Like in a school, kids aren't there at all compared to what you look at, say, um, Oxford Street Station because they're there nine till three yeah. and there's so many holidays and weekends. <laughs> you, your yield goes from, you think it's like that, but when you look at the maps, and you look at they have lessons, they only have an hour lunch break. The actual amount of energy you can harness is, is relatively small um, in a school compared to like a, a Westfield mall yep. with, you know, in excess of 40 million people a year going to it. So what are the challenges then of paved gen? Obviously, you're saying that it's not very, you can't really use it as, as a resident. Um, so is it just larger scale products? Uh, are there any other challenges for using paved gen? Yeah, I think look, we're we're a small business, you know, that's grown from nothing. And I think with any business of our size, there's going to be lots of challenges. So I think we have to pick what addressable market we're going to work towards. So we could make a residential product, but I think we're trying to pick the easiest uh, way to scale our revenue. So I think if you look at like, if, if we try to make a residential product, when you walk on a doormat, powers a light, like we'd have to be selling like let's say the average person would probably spend no more than I don't know look my doormat was probably about seven pounds um I, I imagine you can spend 50 pounds on a nice doormat let's say our product was 100 pounds like we'd have to sell a lot of products at 100 pounds to achieve five million revenue so I think what we've done is we said look it's much better to work on big contracts um where the contract value can be one to two million um, than it is to try and do every single household and all the customer service that comes with that and all the distribution side. So I think in an early stage business, you've got to really pick your battles uh, and have real like laser focus on the task in hand. So today, you know, we've identified, you know, working in airports, which includes like transport hubs, um, working in offices, uh, smart cities and also includes like destinations yeah. so destination might be like a stadium or a museum or something like that and they're all getting the same product but with slightly different changes to the, the the actual product so i think laser focus is key um scaling a business that is i guess so different because no one has bought a floor before that generates energy no one has thought about a floor what do you think about with the floor you go um am i going to put concrete on it Am I going to put wood on it? Am I, you know, the very basic decisions. Yeah. Whereas what we do is, you know, we're taking them through a journey of like how to power part of your building using the energy of people walking. It's a very you know, different sale. So I call it a crusade, um, which I changed the way people are looking at energy. And that's very much kind of our motto as we're, we're moving forward. And just because obviously it's made in London and things like that, is there any challenges with the weather here with using PaveGen? Well, London's great. London's fantastic. I love London weather. Um, but look, when you go to Washington, D.C., it's minus 20 degrees and it's under that much snow for like a month, a year. So um, we London is fantastic. No problems at all. Uh, no, actually, I'm lying. One problem we had is that one of our sites flooded the other day. Uh, it was like a shopping mall actually flooded. 
And it was like, because we've recently had flash floods in London and paved gems under that much water. So, um, yeah, look, it's certainly, that's probably the only thing I've ever experienced in London that was really challenging. But um, the biggest thing we find is we're working for uh, putting it into Saudi Arabia and Dubai on a number of these mega projects. You know, they're building a city called Neom that is the size um, of Belgium. So there's an unprecedented level of scale and development happening there. Yeah. But there's also so much heat that in the summer months, people do not walk outside. You will not go outside apart from maybe 20 steps from your car <laughs> through to your, uh, your building. And even then you might be in an air conditioned car park. So it's those environments, the extreme heat and being in the snow for so long are the biggest challenges we have. Um, and we're, we're pretty good on the, the cold version. We're just doing our final phase of testing um, in the heat because the challenges for building products in the most extreme desert environments, uh, it's amazing what happens to the, the product. So we're, we're really working on that at the moment. So you said that it normally lasts around 20 years. With flooding and, as you say, extreme heat, would you say that it would reduce the durability or no? Well, for the in terms of for the first thing, the generator itself that Pavedon works on, so when you stand on it, it spins, it's hermetically sealed. Okay, so this thing, you could drop this to the bottom of an ocean and it would it would be fine. So that's not an issue for the technology. And I guess what, what is an issue is understanding what happens in desert environments. Now, it's not the heat that's going to melt it. It's called the differential expansion rate. It's when like different materials, when it goes hot and cold and it will fluctuate massively. So yeah. you might go to freezing at night and then in the day you might right up to like 50, well, you, you could be in 45 degrees ambient, but in the product could be 80 degrees. So you're literally in an oven. Like that's how you cook a pizza. Literally, you could put a pizza in our product because it's underground. It doesn't um, shed heat. The heat just gets, builds up and up. It's underground. So if you're doing like a flag, a flag in the air will always cool down. Um, so it may degrade the performance. We're not sure yet exactly what happened, but it's it's more about like the circuit boards melting than it is about the actual products um, stopping mechanically working. So you touched on recently about the Steps for Homelessness uh, project that you did in Broadgate. Do you want to just give a bit more about that? Because I'm a bit curious because obviously if there are areas, certain areas in London particularly that have rough sleeping, so would it be beneficial? Have you thought about putting PaveGen in those areas? Would it generate any uh, energy and how could it, the energy that's processed, could it fund anything worthwhile for homelessness? Yes, yes. So I wouldn't put it in areas of high homelessness because Pagan's a bit like Robin Hood. We'll, we'll steal from the rich and we'll give to the poor, okay? So so what, what the key thing is, is let, let's say Broadgate Arena. Um, Broadgate Arena is uh, a very uh, wealthy area. You've got UBS, private bank there, all the, you know, Liverpool Street, the heart of the city. And they actually didn't allow... Um, homeless people on the site. So even though it's like a public area, you would get escorted out if you were homeless. And we didn't like that much. And we didn't think it was very, very friendly. But we said, well, look, there's all these wealthy people here. Why don't we actually do something with the the, the useless steps of the rich and give to the poor? And I, I guess it was that mechanic that really empowered Broadgate Arena, who realized they were doing something wrong because they didn't really help people. Um, and they, they were really forward thinking around how they did that. Now, if you look at London, why don't we why don't we go to Bond Street 
where there's all rich people spending far too much money on on fashion and handbags and and take some energy from those people and some of the brands as well and we'll give the the uh money and like we exchange energy for money to homeless people and improve it for them so it really is a it's a tool to engage people um in the narrative of, of doing good and whether it's you know we, we work for a bank in california where we donated the energy to um, power uh, for poor communities to have renewable energy installed to save money on their bills. So there's lots of different things you can you can do with it. And uh, I would love to put it into every rich area of London that I guess as a Londoner that not normal people can afford to live yep. or, or places where there's lots of opulence. Let's take the footsteps and then let's give that energy in the form of money and to help um, people in need. And that, that's really where I see the, the power of the technology working um, in the long run. Great. Um, I, you mentioned the new digital platform where you get rewards for your steps. Um, do you want to go into a bit more detail about that? Yeah, I think the donation mechanic I mentioned with homeless people is like pretty similar to what we're doing in data. But I, I think that we're trying to key into human psyche. Okay, we believe that you need to reward people because people are intrinsically selfish. You know, the mass public. Okay, so for example, when you walk into a mall and you generate energy, a lot of people don't care that that light is they've done that they're not like yes they're like so what i'm helping them all not me so we go okay well why don't we reward you so what we'll do now is we believe you give something um fun important and lasting to people and this is the way to kind of get into everyone and, and really do something people want to do so um something fun might be unlocking a um unique experience um and then so it might be like at a concert jump on a MasterCard floor and then you get a meet and greet with the band. Oh, cool. um, say something important is donating it. So you can almost pick your charity, right? So for me and you, it might be homelessness, but other people might want to help um, power a school in the pool and we'll give people that option. And it can also link to the sustainable development goals too. So you can choose which one you, 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 you donate to. And then I guess something last thing is down the educational side. So offering educational experiences to children, um, people can take part in science tests on our floor um, and it really promoting STEM subjects as well. And so we think like with this kind of selection of offerings, um, there's a good way to gain people to have fun, but then also do, do good at the same time. So how will you determine whose steps are whose and who gets what reward? Because if you're saying that you're doing it in a shopping mall, then how do I, who's just one person, know that I've created a sky ticket to meet the band <laughs> yeah so great question and it's, it's amazingly complicated to do <laughs> but essentially you know we'll reference your phone with the floor your phone will speak to the floor and will correlate data from the phone with data from the floor to make sure it matches up and also geolocate you um we have heard stories where you know um there's a number of these apps that count your footsteps yeah. and there's I a number a of the apps that count yeah so it's so a fitbit but then also there's ones that will reward you on your phone for the more steps you make and then there's stories of people um putting the phone on their dog <laughs> and letting the dog run around all day and getting more points and i heard other stories of people putting on their washing machine and um and <laughs> as it uh, yeah. <laughs> bounced up and down it would it would use that that energy to gain the system so obviously that people are gaming it and we think that our way is fairly robust but we're, we're still learning you know it, it won't be 100 percent perfect but it's it's a pretty robust system to make it work yeah, it sounds so interesting. I'm re I was really excited to have you on. 
Um, so it's been great having you. Uh, if there's anything that you want to say off now or if you want to go into a bit more detail of anything? I think for me, the one thing I think is important is that we're, we're coming out of uh, a, a pandemic year, a lockdown, and you know it's hit certain groups uh, a lot harder than others. So you could say young people have been massively challenged by this. You know they they haven't been able to go to their offices, see their friends, socialize, go on holiday, all those things. Whereas the old people who own all their houses have, in a way, got richer. So I think it's been a really challenging time. Now we're also seeing that people haven't been going to retail, haven't been going out in cities, and what we're seeing now is I think there's a, a kind of a a revolution in urban planning and design because people need to get people back to spaces. So it's like a chance to push reset for cities, I believe. And then alongside that is, you think about a city, a city is a number of investors who've bought assets to make a return. In a way, it's a bit like a bank. You put some money in, you get some out. And, and they thought, right, if I have a block of flats here, um, I'm going to put the richest people I can in to pay the most rent. Obviously, you guys are doing an amazing job because you're readdressing the balance for social housing. So it's not to, obviously like you, we need more people like you guys, but it's been built by a lot of greedy investors. Now, they're making lots of money out of all these amazing developments, but actually, cities are places that people like me and you live in. And people like us need to be happy in cities we live in. It's been proven that people aren't happy in cities, even though they earn more money. And so we need to say, well, actually, to be happy in the future, you've got to make it great. And you know, John Ruskin had this this term, which was saying that um, the last hundred years, um, life is wealth. So um, also, the wealth is life. Okay, so he, you have to be rich to be happy. But now, life is wealth. Okay, so like health is wealth. Like where I live, how happy I am. That's what I care about. I don't. I don't care about how many lumps of gold I've got in the bank account. And I think that. That that's, this narrative is something that we're now seeing move into cities and it's about better places to live, it's about people being happier, better levels of wellness, sustainability, green. So I think there's going to be a, a systematic change, thanks to COVID, as we come out of it, um, to make cities a better place to live because cities got to work harder and you know, we're not in an office today because we're still not everyone's back to offices. So yeah. you know, certainly challenges are around that and I, I think it's going to get a lot better over the, the coming years. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with you. And I think that, especially our generation, social positivity is uh, making a huge impact and we're really doing our best to kind of make it better for the future. Definitely, no, totally agree. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much for coming on. That's the second episode of The Green Initiative where we've discussed kinetic energy. Um, thank you for listening. And again, thank you, Lawrence. And to our subscribers, please like, comment and subscribe. Thank you.